1: It is Tuesday, May 3rd, and this is People Every Day. Hello everyone, it's me, Janine Rubenstein. Did you miss me? I wanna say thank you to our good friend, Charlotte Triggs, for stepping in and putting out such a great show yesterday. There is a lot happening in the news today, you guys, so let's just jump right in. For the first time since the beginning of the pandemic, the Met Gala returned to the first Monday in May. And while we have a lot to get into regarding the biggest night in fashion, we need to talk about the biggest story going on in our country. That was the sound from outside the Supreme Court last night. Protesters from both sides of the political spectrum flocked to the doors outside the highest court in the land after news sources reported a leak surrounding an upcoming Supreme Court decision that would overturn Roe v. Wade. Outlets are reporting that, quote, a majority draft opinion is set to append the established right to an abortion in the U.S. Joining us now to provide some context on this landmark decision is People's Associate Editor, Julie Mazziata. Thanks for joining us, Julie. Hi, thanks for having me. So what can you tell us about the case the Supreme Court is weighing that would potentially overturn Roe v. Wade?
2: So in December, the Supreme Court took up a lawsuit about Mississippi's proposed ban on abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. And currently, Roe v. Wade establishes the right to an abortion until 23 weeks. So if the Supreme Court was to allow that to go forward, it would violate the Roe v. Wade ruling. And when the Supreme Court, which is now majority conservative, took up that case, the expectation was that they would likely overturn Roe v. Wade.
1: And this isn't the first time it has been challenged, right? What was the 1992 situation? In
2: 1992, the case was Casey versus Planned Parenthood. And the outcome of that was that they upheld Roe v. Wade and the right to abortion. So in the draft opinion that was released last night. Justice Samuel Alito said that they would need to overrule Roe and Casey to move forward. Mm.
1: Wow. So if Roe v. Wade is overturned, what are the immediate impacts we'll see at the state and local levels of government regarding, you know, access to safe abortions?
2: Yeah. So I think the most important thing to note is that right now, abortions are still completely legal in the United States, no matter where you are. If you have an abortion scheduled for the next week, you have the right to do that the next month. This final opinion likely will not come out for the next two months or so. The votes for the justices still can change. This is only a draft and it's a leaked draft, so it is absolutely not final. But if it is overturned later in a few months, there are states like Mississippi and Texas that have trigger laws in place where as soon as Roe is gone, it would automatically ban abortions in that state. On the other hand, then, there are other states like Hawaii, New York, California that already have protections for abortion rights in their laws, in their state constitutions that would keep it in place.
1: Well, I've seen all over today that Senate Democrats are looking to codify Roe. So can you elaborate on what that means, how that process works and and what would happen if they were to succeed?
2: Yeah, so it basically just means that they want to take Roe and make it a nationwide law. Actually, last year in Congress, the House passed this bill, the Women's Health Protection Act of 2021, which would make Roe law. They tried to move it to the Senate, but the Republicans and Senator Joan Manchin refused to bring it to the floor for debate. um, So they never brought it to a vote. Mm. So the hope is that there is still the chance that this could move forward. And this morning, Senator Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, vowed to bring it to the floor for a vote. So if they did that, that would make it a nationwide law. Basically, it would exist as a nationwide law, even though it's not a Supreme Court decision.
1: Well, lastly, a Supreme Court decision leaking to the press is virtually unheard of. So how does something like that happen? And who had access to these draft opinions before they were even released?
2: That is... Just an incredible side of this whole story. Just a couple hours ago, Chief Justice John Roberts verified that the draft opinion was authentic and he vowed to investigate and figure out who did this. I assume there are aides to the Supreme Court justices that could have had this draft and leaked it. But yeah, it's just
1: an unprecedented situation. Well, Julie, thank you so much for shedding some light on this huge moment. Yeah, happy to help. And there's no easy transition from a case like that. But as I said at the top of the show, last night in Manhattan, the Costume Institute held its annual fundraiser, better known as the Met Gala. New York City was seeing stars last night as the Met Gala returned for the first Monday in May since the start of the pandemic. It was the event to be at. I don't know what happened to my invite. <laughs> the Kardashians were there and they rocked the house in full force from head to toe. And this was also the first time ever that all five of the sisters, Courtney, Kim, yes, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie, were in attendance at Fashion's Biggest Night. So, here with me to break down how the Kardashians stole the show and Most of the headlines last night is People's senior style news editor, Brittany Tallarico. Hey, Brittany.
3: Hi, Janine. Thanks for
1: having me. Uh, Well, Hollywood it couple, Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson, made their Met Gala debut, and people can't stop talking about it. Pete donned a black tux, and Kim turned heads. She rocked Marilyn Monroe's most iconic gown ever, the very sexy happy birthday Mr. President dress the late actress wore while singing... Happy birthday to President John F. Kennedy in 1962, just three months before she died. What else do we know about Kim's look? And what I really want to know is, do you think they pulled it off, Kim and Pete?
3: Everybody was so excited. Kim delivered on all fronts. She always has a major Met Gala moment. She's always the most talked about on the red carpet. She slipped into a 60-year-old dress. This dress was on display in Orlando, Florida at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. She had a fly down to Orlando. Kim is nothing if not committed to a theme, and we love to see it. Um, and of course, Pete was her doting boyfriend at her side. He let her shine. He wore Dior. Um, but I really think we have to break down this Marilyn Met moment, the dress the story behind the dress. It's just insanity. Marilyn wore it for her famous, very sultry, provocative performance of Happy Birthday, Mr. President. And it sold at auction back in November 2016 for a whopping $4.81 million. This was Kim's like kind of first solo met moment. She said, what's more iconic than Marilyn Monroe? Could I wear this dress? She had a contact at Ripley's. And Basically, the first dress she tried on was a replica. It fit like a glove. Her and Pete flew down to Orlando for the second fitting, and the dress did not fit. She cut out all carbs, all sugar, and you know she worked with her trainer. It was like preparing for a role. The Met Gala is her stage, and she committed, and at the final fitting, the dress fit. And she also told Vogue that she couldn't wait to eat pizza and donuts after she slipped out of that gown. Tell everyone what
1: happened right after she walked that red carpet.
3: Yes. So it, it, she had to actually practice wa- like walking up the Met steps. So basically, Kim is shuttled to the Met Gala. She changes into the dress. They set up a little pop-up changing room for her. She goes in, slips into the dress in the change room. She has to wear gloves. The handlers have to wear gloves everyone's in gloves and she's only in that dress for the photos on the next steps the original Marilyn dress right so she's like kind of taking each step very slowly she had a practice like pete had to help her it was a big process before she went into the gala she changed into a replica of the gown wow and even more committed to the theme even more she she dyed her hair Blonde, it took 14 hours to really bring that whole Marilyn moment home. Well,
1: it was a night to remember for the entire family. So which of these looks made you do a double take?
3: I was at the Kardashian gala last night. The fashion moments were insane. Kravis, they love a matching moment. They love a kissing tongue, red carpet moment. They both were in Tom Brown. He wore the runway version. She wore a deconstructed version of the look that was on the runway. She was very funny on the red carpet, very nonchalant. She basically said she wore what they told her to wear. So she just was having fun just there with her man. She didn't take it as seriously, I would say, as Kim and the rest of the crew did. Um, Kendall. 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 The big thing for me with Kendall, she bleached her eyebrows. You know, supermodels love to bleach their eyebrows. They hit the runway with bleached <laughs> eyebrows. It's like It's like a beauty move to kind of show like you're in the know. Like, I'm mm-hmm. so cool that I could bleach my eyebrows blonde here. But she wore a beautiful custom Prada ball gown. She also, the top was sheer. We had some nipple bearing happening. Another Kendall trademark, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, she looks gorgeous. And I like Kylie paying homage to Off-White in that Off-White gown. I know. So Kylie actually shared on her Instagram she was supposed to attend with Off-White's late creative director, Virgil Abloh. And this look was really a tribute to him, his legacy. So I thought that was a beautiful moment. And she had fun with it. She was like a high fashion bride. She wore the cool baseball cap. And then, you know, she left the hotel with Chloe. It was Chloe's Met debut, looking amazing in Moschino. She said that dress took 10 days to make. So she was a last minute decision to go. Her and Jeremy Scott designed the dress. She looks gorgeous. And my favorite thing always is watching Momager Kris Jenner stand at the top of the carpet, and wait for her girls. I have to know, before I lose you,
1: the Kardashians had a different kind of big day. They came out on top against Black China in her defamation suit against them for $100 million. So while the judge was dismissing the case back on the West Coast, they were on the East Coast celebrating in style. Do you think this was sort of a victory party for them?
3: 100%. They all kind of felt at ease. I feel like they took a you know a deep breath. They were there to have fun. They were there to support each other. You can just kind of feel the celebration in the air for them.
1: Brittany, thank you so much. We've got plenty more Met Gala to talk about, including the stunning dress that one of the chairs of the evening wore. Seriously, you guys, I can't get enough of Blake Lively's dress. But first, the gala is known for eccentric looks, where it's hard to even recognize people sometimes. And last night, Jared Leto found himself the victim of mistaken identity. I'll explain after the break.
0: we
1: are back academy award winner jared leto is no stranger to making a statement on the met gala red carpet you all probably remember when he showed up to the event back in 2019 i think it was carrying a replica of his severed head under his arm which i still to this day do not understand i mean i get fashion but Wow. So last night, he showed up looking like some sort of metallic swan with dark eyeshadow and gemstones surrounding his eyes and this massive pointed silver outfit with all of these quill feather-like spikes sticking out. To top it all off, he rocked some slicked back platinum hair. It was very Jared Leto to say the least, except it wasn't Jared Leto. (laughs) Several outlets including the New York Times posted photos claiming it was Jared Leto in this elaborate getup when in fact it was actually Frederick Robertson. Robertson is a Swedish designer and self-described fashion dictator and fashion addict who with all the makeup and the fashion feather choices he made does bear a resemblance to Jared Leto. Now Leto was in attendance and somehow still managed to look like someone else. He and Gucci creative director Alessandro. Michelle, dressed as identical twins with cream-colored tuxes, red satin bow ties, leather gloves, and matching brown suede clutches. And of course, they each wore a matching hair clip in their long, wavy brown locks. So who would have thought that one of the themes of the night would have been dressed like Jared Leto? (laughs) You need to check out these pictures because the different Leto looks are everything to see on our website. Our coverage of fashion's biggest night continues. We have so much to talk about, about all the other looks and glamour from last night. So joining me now is one of my favorite guests on the show, People's Style and Beauty director, Andrea Laventhal. Hey, Andrea. Hi. So last night's theme was gilded glamour, and the celebrities definitely brought the glamour. And someone who especially brought her A-game, as always, was none other than one of this year's Met Gala co-chairs, Blake lively. Oh my God. Her dress was amazing. So
4: when she arrived, everybody was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know, this like gorgeous, billowing, coppery uh gown with like the beading and the bodice and then, you know, column and then the big train and all the, you know, opulence of it. And then like magic, the dress changed colors. And It like transformed from the copper to that like bluishy green color to mimic what's called a patina, which I had to look up. But that's like when the Statue of Liberty goes from bronze that oxidized green.
1: It's called patina. So she patinaed. Oh, wow. In homage to New York and the Statue of Liberty and just Yes, fashion. I think that's a,
4: a Met Gala first is patinaing on the carpet. She was inspired by all things New York from... The Zodiac constellations that are on the ceiling of Grand Central Station. The shape of the dress is an inspiration from the American designer, Charles James. The shapes are are the Empire State Building. And then she worked with her favorite jeweler, Lorraine Schwartz. There was over a hundred carats. Of nude and bronze-colored diamonds and tourmaline gemstones. And she even works with her to give them a patina effect. Oh, yeah. And Ryan Reynolds was there. He was in Ralph Lauren.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Ryan Reynolds, too. Amazing. (laughs) Like a magic trick. Let's talk about some of the other incredible looks of the night. What else caught your eye?
4: You have to talk about Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade. They they just are stunned, like, in shorts and a T-shirt. So... It's really hard to compete with them on the MacGala carpet. They were also both in Atelier Versace and they both wore his and hers, Tiffany and co-jewels. And she said that her... Red Flower at the Waist was an homage to a gown worn by Diane Carroll. She was the first African-American woman to win a Tony Award for Best Actress in a Musical. So I thought, you know, what's cool is if you hear Gabrielle talking about her dress on the red carpet, there was a lot of meaning that went into it. So in addition to being just stunning, there was a, a, a lot of storytelling behind
1: it. Oh, for sure. And then, and what about the, the second couple? Tell me. Joshua Jackson
4: and Jodie Turner Smith. Jody, oh my God, Jody and Josh. Yes, I call them Jody and Josh. Isn't that what you call them? <laughs> I was so excited for them because they have this like, I don't know, this like red carpet magic together. You can really tell that these two are so in love and like very into each other. I think that's their best accessory is like a legitimate love and like sex appeal, if I could say that. So she came in this custom Gucci crystal chain bra with a fringe mini skirt and all these diamonds and just looking like Amazing! He just like stared at her. He called her spectacular on the live stream. He was like, I'm just so proud of her. Like basically look at her. Well, let's talk about some leading
1: ladies on the carpet. So
4: Sarah Jessica Parker is like the A student, right? Like you just know she's going to show up to the science fair with the most incredible volcano that erupts on its own every single time. And that's what she did, right? She studies the assignment. She doesn't just understand the assignment. So Once again, she, like, so much thoughtfulness into her look. It was by a really hot designer, Christopher John Rogers. It was like patchwork bodice with this pleated ball skirt. But of course, she gave us a history lesson because it wouldn't be SJP if she didn't. And she said that the look was inspired by an 1860s dress made by Elizabeth Hobbs Keckley, a prominent designer, seamstress, author, philanthropist, and social activist during the Gilded Age. So she honored this woman's amazing work. I also loved Alicia Keys. Okay. New York was a big inspiration, you know, for Blake, also for Alicia Keys. She arrived in custom Ralph Lauren collection, wearing a cape. Whenever anyone wears a cape, it's like they're in a cape. You know, what else can you say? It's amazing. But hers had... The New York City skyline encrusted, like embroidered into the cape. It was 200,000 crystals. So, you know, someone was in an empire state of mind that night. Gwen Stefani, yes, I loved her. She's one of my favorites. She always does something like a little different. And she was in Vera Wang. She said, you know, that she and Vera went back and forth about different ideas. And she just said, and I ended up in neon. The fun fact about her look was that she did her own makeup for the night. She had to do her own makeup because she said she was working with a brand new makeup artist, which in itself is very nerve wracking for such a big night. And the makeup artist had an emergency and Gwen Stefani had to do her own makeup. But luckily she has a brand new makeup line. So she just used all of her own products. She did her own face. She said it was very stressful,
1: but also kind of amazing at the same time. Can we talk about Katy Perry? She... You know, looks stunning in her gown. And it's a look that was definitely more toned down than her past Met Gala outfits. This look comes after, you know, comments made by people like Tom Ford. I applaud her for, you know, showing up and showing out last night. What did you think of her look?
4: Okay, so Katy Perry, you know, is somebody, like you said, who's known for wearing really crazy stuff to the Met. And she has gone as a... Chandelier. Cheeseburger, chandelier. So what do you do when you've already dressed as a hamburger and a chandelier? You do the most shocking thing ever and you tone it down and wear an Oscar de la Renta gown with very minimal makeup and hair. It was still a stunning gown. It had a sheer black lace bodice and I kept looking at her one Boob and I was like, "Stay strong, hang in there, lace, like don't break." (laughs) Had a super short skirt and the train and and all of that, but she basically said, "Like, yeah, I'm. It's so obvious for me to go kooky and crazy, but she's playing a different card." She said she could actually take a seat at the dinner table and the people next to her, you know, weren't like on opposite sides of the room because she's a hamburger.
1: Someone we really missed seeing last night was one of the co-chairs, Regina King. We know this has been such a, a hard year for her and we're hoping that she's doing okay and we're also thinking about her in the midst of all the celebration of last night well another Met Gala has come and gone Andrea it's so fun talking to you about all this it it just
4: it never ended they just kept coming Janine (laughs) (laughs)
1: Now, our last story is the kind of positivity I think we could all use. Welcome. One of the most beloved romantic comedies ever made is the 1998 film starring Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, You've Got Mail, which, fun fact, was based off of a previous film, 1940's The Shop Around the Corner. Well, You've Got Mail is in the pantheon of great Nora Ephron films, but did you know that Nora co-wrote the script with her sister, Delia Ephron? Now, this, I think, is something to make you smile. In 2018, Delia Efron wrote a New York Times essay about the death of her husband, Jerry Cass. I know, very sad, but stay with me. After the essay was published, she received an email from Peter Rutter, a man Efron briefly dated 54 years earlier when she was 18, after the two had been set up by her sister, Nora. And as Delia Efron told Hoda Kotb, so I got this very, very charming email from Peter, who was a psychiatrist living in the Bay Area, and he said, you know, We had a couple of dates. It's just the most, was the most charming note. It was lovely, so I wrote him back. You've got mail. Well, the two fell back into old habits after exchanging a few more messages, which progressed into hours-long conversations on the phone, and after four months of falling for each other all over again, Delia was diagnosed with leukemia, and in response, she said Peter proposed that weekend, and on Monday, we went and got a license, and we bought a ring, and on Tuesday, I checked into the hospital for my first chemo. Delia made it through her treatments, and the two are still married today, so One of the writers of You've Got Mail, a movie based on two people falling in love over email, falls in love with her future husband over email. How great is that? I love it. Thank you all for joining us again today. We'll be back again tomorrow with the
2: latest on People Every Day. Goodbye.